you're very welcome. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you doing? Fairly quiet, but good. Okay, that's good. Thanks, guys, for having me here this morning. It's great to be here with you in this, uh, in this place to come and preach here this morning. So the hills drop down quickly towards the lake. And this lake is so big that the locals call it the sea. The Sea of Galilee. Up to 200, 300 boats fishing at any given time. A densely populated region. Galilee was a crossroads to different nations. Many Jews despised Galilee. It had settled some different nations. But Jesus begins preaching in this place with these words, the time has come. God is on the move. It's time to turn from our own ideas and turn back to God's ideas. Tension was rising. John the Baptist had been imprisoned. And by the lake, Jesus meets these, these fishermen with their nets. And he turns to them, and I imagine the sun glimmering off the lake. And he says to them these words, Come, follow me, and I will help you fish for people. In verse 17. I'm going to reflect upon those words this morning. And what I also think about this morning is this. Is that how we view ourselves impacts how we live our lives. How we view ourselves impacts how we live our lives. I'm actually a surfer, but I live in London. And you might know that London isn't notorious for its surfing capabilities. Last month, I got to go back towards the beach. I spent four or five days surfing, and I began to remember my identity again as a surfer. That feeling of salt on my skin. That feeling of numb feet that wouldn't go away for days and days upon time. That feeling of being cold as I got out of the water. And I began to become obsessed again about surfing, looking at my phone to always see when was the next going to be some good surf. Making my wife drive past beach after beach after beach, looking for the best place to catch some waves. How we view ourselves impacts how we live our lives. Being back in London, I very rarely check the surf report. I've got a friend from Ethiopia, and he talks about how he came to the UK as a refugee, and how for many years his mentality was that of a refugee, that his identity was that of a refugee, and it impacted how he lived his life. He would try and, try and take and try and save and try and be blessed, yet one day he remembered again just what Christ had done for him, and remembered that in fact his identity was not, not that of a refugee, but that of a missionary who had been sent to the UK. And that change in mindset changed the way in which he lived his life. It wasn't about taking, but seeing how he could shape and influence British culture, how he could share Christ relevantly with the culture in which he found himself. Rather than saving and taking, how could he give and how could he bless? How could he live generously with his changed mindset? But I think sometimes we can forget just who we really are, our true identity. And how we view ourselves impacts how we live our lives. Those words again, come, follow me, and I will help you fish for people. I want to talk about the invitation this morning. And in this passage, this, this very short phrase gives us two uh, important things about the invitation that Jesus gives each and every one of us. The first thing is that this invitation is a personal invitation. You know, there are many different words to describe Jesus. Messiah, Lord, healer, storyteller. 
One of those words is rabbi. Jesus was a teacher. But in these few words, Jesus does does two things that rabbis would never really have done. First of all, he invites people to follow him. Rabbis often waited for students to come to them. They had to be tested. They had to prove themselves. They had to show that they are worthy of being a disciple, that they could carry on their tradition. But instead, Jesus, in verse 16, he sees them. And he goes to where they are at. He speaks in their language. There's no test, no checking on how worthy these guys are. He just calls them. They haven't got to change first. He doesn't say, Peter, come follow me, but please don't wear that baseball cap. He says, come, follow me. He doesn't ask them to change their attitude or change their values. He just says, come, follow me. This is a personal invitation that he gives to each of those disciples. You know, if you're following somebody without being invited, it's called stalking. But actually, Jesus had invited them to follow him. The second thing is this, is that rabbis would never have said, follow me. They might have said, come, follow the Torah. Let's follow God's teaching. Let's follow a strand of thought or a certain philosophy. But they would never have said, follow me. Who has the right to say, follow me? And yet Jesus says, follow me. Time and time again through his teaching, he makes his claim of who he really is. At the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you have heard it said, but I tell you this. Put my words into practice, he says. Build your lives upon my words. There's that moment at the Passover feast as he takes these ancient symbols that symbolized the escape from Egypt all those years ago. And yet he redefines them. He breaks the bread saying, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. This opening phrase, come, follow me, reveals that Jesus is no ordinary rabbi. He's a teacher, but he's someone special. He's someone much more than just a rabbi. You see, he calls them where they are at. No tests or checks. And he calls them to follow, not a school of thought, but to follow him. He calls them into a place of intimacy with him. Come, follow me. It was a personal invitation. But second of all, it was a purposeful invitation. They were called to be fishers of people. There was a purpose behind the invitation. And I believe in today's culture, people are often looking for what is my purpose? Why am I here? What is life really all about? What am I called to do? And I think it's really important if we want to know our purpose, that we know the one who created us. It's out of this place of intimacy with Jesus that we discover who we are and why we are here. The disciples begin to have this revelation as they journey with Jesus over those three years of discovering who they are and what they are called to do. There's this great kind of phrase in the first century of being covered in the dust of the rabbi. The idea that the rabbi would always walk ahead and they'd kick the dust into the air and the closest disciples, those closest to them, could capture the dust and be covered in their dust. 
And the idea here, I guess, is that for the disciples, that they were so intimate, they wanted to see how Christ lived, how Christ ate, what Christ did. And they wanted to mimic just what he did and how he interacted. And these four men, these simple fishermen, entrepreneurs, hard guys, but who were not super religious, who were not well educated, but because of their intimacy with Jesus, they are, ter- they are chosen to turn history upside down, to change the course of human history. Because Jesus helps them discover their purpose. They were busy catching fish, focused upon the small thing. And yet with Christ, they get this much bigger picture, this much bigger vision of what their lives are really all about. Rather than just catching fish, they are to be called and caught up in catching people and helping people discover their true identity in Christ. They discovered their purpose by being covered in the dust of Jesus. I think one of the most dangerous things for Christians is that we stop wanting to be more like Jesus. We remain stale or stuck where we are. And that the word disciple means learner, the idea of learning the ways of Christ as we soak in the gospel stories. These early disciples, you know what? They weren't just fishermen. They discovered their plans that God had for them. They discovered their cause and their calling in God's plans because they were intimate with Christ. As they were not fishermen, I want to say this morning that you're not just a neighbor, you're not just an employee. You're not just a businessman. You're not just a nurse. You're not just a mum. You're not just a coffee shop worker. Each and every one of you has a role in God's eternal story. You get to partner with God in making a difference in the world and bringing about change and transformation. And I believe that every day we have many interruptions, but sometimes those interruptions are actually God-given opportunities for us to reach out, to share, to love, to care, to demonstrate what it is to be loved by God. I had an amazing story a few years ago. I was walking home one night, and there was a local guy we often speak to who's a struggling alcoholic, and uh, he thinks I'm a Catholic priest. And I always say to him, well, no, I'm not really a Catholic priest, I'm just a Christian, but he's pretty convinced I'm a Catholic priest. And one night, walking back, late night, dark night, up this alley, I see him out the corner of my eye, and I think, oh, no. And he sees me. I try and head down, try and ignore him. And he says, ah, it's the Catholic priest. I'm like, no, no, I'm still not a Catholic priest. I'm going home. It's late. It's dark. Thank you very much. And he goes, no, 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 Catholic priest, come over here, come over here, come over here. And he pulls me towards these two guys who are about to have a fight. And he says to these two guys, look, listen to this Catholic priest and what he says about fighting. So all these guys gathered around, these two guys with their T-shirts off, about to have a massive punch-up. And he pushes me in between the two of them. I'm there going, great, thanks, mate. Um, Jesus says, love your enemy. At that point, I said, please, sir, go away, using very different language. So I began to back away. And this guy says, no, no, try again, try again. He pushed me back into the middle of this fight. I think, what is going to happen here? So I just raised my hands and said, Father God, I pray for peace in this situation. And to my amazement, the peace of God came. These two guys put on their T-shirts and walked off in different directions. See, I think sometimes we miss the opportunities because we see them as being interruptions rather than as a space to minister something of who God is. 
Now we, each of us has a role in helping other people discover their identity. We're not just inviting them to be part of a church service, we're inviting them to discover the life they were meant to live in relationship with their Father in heaven. I find it amazing how those disciples, those fishermen, responded. Jesus said, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of people. They might have thought, is this guy crazy? I can to follow him. They might have thought, who does this guy think he is? Perhaps they met him a year earlier in John 1 when they first encountered Jesus. But they discovered something about Jesus that was so special that it was worth leaving everything for. In verse 18, Peter and Andrew left their nets. Now the nets were their income, and yet they put down their income. They put down their revenue. There's no benefit system there, yet they let go of these things to follow Jesus. In verse 20, John and James left their dad Zebedee. In a culture where honouring parents was one of the highest ideals, they left their father. And they left their hired hands. It must have been quite an affluent family. Yet they left their wealth behind to follow Jesus. They left their family business. Perhaps generation upon generation had been there by the side of the lake. And yet they left it all behind to follow Jesus. The word left can be translated abandoned. They abandoned their security, their family, their heritage. You see, when you say yes to something, you also say no to certain things. And by saying yes to Jesus, there are things we need to begin to say no to as we discover God's call upon our lives. The disciples didn't say, give us some time to think about it. Let us weigh the pros and cons. Can we have a proper job description? They just said yes. In verse 18, immediately they left their nets. And why? It's because they recognized something of who Jesus is. He was way more than just a rabbi. And this morning, have you recognized just who Jesus is? That he is the good news. That he cares about each and every one of us. That he loves us generously. Have you recognized just who Jesus is? Almost 2,000 years ago, those four fishermen responded to those words of Jesus. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. But how will you respond to them today? To that personal invitation, but also that purposeful invitation. It's open to each and every one of us not just because of these words that were spoken all those years ago, but ultimately because Christ on the cross, his death and his resurrection, dealt with all the mess of our humanity that we could be in relationship with him, that we could know that personal relationship, but also that purposeful idea of who we are and what we are called to do. I said earlier, that how we view ourselves impacts how we live. This Valentine's Day, you might be a bit like Darren. You've got no cards at all. Or you might have had difficulty getting out of your house because there was so much post you couldn't almost get out. However it is, we discover in this passage and discover in Scripture that God 
knows you and he loves you. This is not some pink, fluffy card with kittens on the front. This is Jesus on the cross saying, this is how much I love you. And on this Britain Mission Day, how are you going to respond to this invitation to follow Jesus and to be a fisher of people? For some of you, you've already responded. You've already made some kind of response to Christ. But is your identity too much in your nets and your location and your history and your family? Or is it really in the Jesus that you are following? For some of you, perhaps you've never actually responded to that invitation, that personal invitation. This is an invitation for you personally, not something that your parents can do for you or your family can do for you, or your culture can do for you. It's an invitation that only you can choose to respond to. Will you today respond to that invitation to follow Jesus and to discover your purpose here on earth? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus. And as he invited those fishermen all those years ago to follow him, that there is an invitation for each and every one of us here today to follow you. Father, some of us have followed you for a long time. And yet maybe this morning, we need to be reminded again of our true identity in you. That our identity is in the Jesus that we follow. That we are loved by you. That we are cherished by you. Help us share who you are out of the understanding of our identity. We thank you for the purpose that is in each and every one of our lives. And Father, perhaps there's some of us here this morning that have never fully responded to that good news message, to that invitation to follow Jesus. And even now with our eyes closed, perhaps you want to respond by just raising your arm now as a sign of saying, I want to Accept Christ here this morning. Father God, by raising our hands, we say we're in. We want to follow Jesus. We thank you for that personal invitation that is open because of what you did on the cross. And we pray that as we discover what it is to know you personally, we would also discover our purpose the calling you have for each and every one of us to go fishing for people. We love you so much. And we surrender our lives to you here this morning. We say yes to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we sing the hymn 410, Lord, your church on earth is seeking your renewal from above.